Welcome to the True Face Podcast, where we have conversations about what we can learn from what's going on in our lives. My name's Robbie Engel, and I'll be your guide as we learn how to increase trust and experience grace. Most of us get stuck in our relationships with God and others, and we end up wondering, is this really all there is to it? At True Face, we equip you to experience deeper relationships with God and others, breaking through that stuckness, experience the peace and the freedom of this original good news of following Jesus. And we do that by developing a toolbox of experiences and teaching to help you do that. And uh, I, I am so excited about this podcast because I get to bring a friend on. We've been friends, gosh, probably four or five years now. We met through a cohort from True Phase before I worked here. Uh, Jeff Schulte is 60 years old in Nashville. Uh, welcome to the True Phase podcast, bud. How are you? Good. Hey, thanks, Robbie. You know, I was thinking as you were doing a little introduction there, some of the gladness uh, I bring to even being able to talk to you today and do this is ha- comes from just even how in my own walk with God as a Christ follower, just how True Face in the last five years has played a role in that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm 60 years old. I've been a Christ follower since the fall of my freshman year in college. Um so that's 42 years. And, um, and it's just about five, I think it was around five years ago, I was invited into a cohort with a true face and that's where we met. Yep. I just knew, you know, for me, man, I keep growing and I keep needing environments to help me grow. Like I, you know, I tell younger guys, there's no such thing as around the corner, like, yep. like where it stops, like you keep growing, you keep putting yourself in situations to help you grow. And I just, I remember just kind of feeling that I was kind of stuck and um, a little bit numb in some ways spiritually and uh, said yes to that cohort. And, um, and that's where we met. And so gosh, the chance to sit here and do this with you and uh, to be connected in any way that I can with true face, man, I just love it. And so I'm just really glad to be on here today, not just with true face, but also with you, but those things have kind of gone together. And yeah, I look back now, you weren't even the, 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 the direct, what do you, what's your title? you, you yeah, even I, the I was what, just the then. men's guy at North Point. Um, <laughs> yeah, causing yeah. trouble. Yeah. yeah, then I watched the True Face guys get to know you and say, "Oh my, I think he's our leader." <laughs> yeah, and that all happened when we were getting to know each other. So anyway, it's great to be here today with you. Well, I was too young when they started the president process, and then by the after a few years of of coming up empty, they're like, "Oh, this guy's aged into our our range. He's getting a, a, a few gray hairs on his head." Um, I'm I'm so excited. This is such an overdue podcast. Uh, I've been blessed to meet some amazing men and women. And Jeff, you are one of my favorite people in the world. And I don't say that lightly. I am fascinated by you. Um, You are an incredible man. And um, I think the only one of the biggest downsides I've experienced in our friendship in five years is that you're a terrible crier. You're just got an ugly cry face. Um, but other than that, you're like an attractive, incredible, uh, man that I want to be like you, you've been in ministry for a long time. Um, you're one of those guys that is just blessed and, 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 and faithful, deeply faithful. Blessed does not mean easy. When I say blessed, blessed means, uh, you have been faithful and God has, you have followed him on an adventure of ministry 
which uh, yeah, if, didn't you go to undergrad at Yale? And then after that, you pretty yeah. much jumped straight into ministry. You've been in leadership roles yeah. at all kinds of ministries, family life, athletes in action, different boards. And then um, you started a church outside of, of Nashville, um, which grew to like 4,000 people in like eight years as the founder. You've started a couple nonprofits. You've been married to Brenda for 35 years. You have six kids, grandpa of three. Um, you've, and now you're the founder of 10 man ministries, which is if there's a companion brother, sister ministry to true face in a lot of ways, uh, there's so much consistency of ethos and DNA that it's just a, a camaraderie and a fellowship that we have. And, and at 10 man, yeah. you, you have, an integrative approach to leadership development that addresses the whole person. You've got coaches, over 20 coaches now, right, that do coaching and, and counseling to help men and women travel. I love when you say this, travel the 18 inches from their head to their heart and learn how to do relationships that way. Um, that That is that is probably a better tagline for true face of we help provide teachers and experiences that help you move from your head to your heart and do relationships that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm going to use that from now on. So thanks. Can I, can I have that? Is that, is that a gift? Yeah, you're, you're fine. Thanks dude. You know, um, one of the things I say, you know, we, um, we actually practice the content of what you guys create and develop. Yep. And I think we got to, uh, how I put this, that we, uh, we change in the context of relationships. We change in small places and intimate relationships. We're also, most of us uh, were wounded in different ways in the context of relationships, which is why healing happens hundred percent of the time in relationships. I just, we just got, I got permission to share this. This is an example of the kind of stuff we do. This just came from the wife of a pastor. Okay. And we do, uh, we do individual work weekly with men and women around the world, but we also do um, intensives and different things. And this is, uh, I just got this email just two days ago um, uh, from the um, from the wife of a pastor who just finished our women's intensive. And, and here's what she said. She said, uh, a few days before leaving for the women's intensive with Tin Man, in a moment of raw, unfiltered honesty, I told my husband, Jesus has healing for the hemorrhaging woman in Matthew 9, but not for me. Hmm. As an adult child of an alcoholic that experienced abuse as a child and later the survivor of a family suicide, I learned to bury and manage my fear, sadness, and hurt. To make it in the world was to not need. I became hardworking, physically strong, and in my hypervigilance learned to anticipate the needs of others and meet them so that I wouldn't have to feel the abandonment that I feared. I arrived at the 10-man women's intensive physically exhausted, Every inch of my body was in pain. I was worn out from a lifetime of ignoring my humanity. By the grace of God, my managing tactics were no longer working. The women's intensive gave me a safe place to look honestly at the ways my codependent approach to life and rejection of my neediness was keeping me from the intimacy I longed for with Jesus, myself, and others. I have hope as I'm returning home, reentering my life at home, that as I relinquish control and embrace my real raw neediness before God and others, that healing and true freedom in Christ is possible. Amen. God. Uh, that's 
the wife of a man in ministry, mm-hmm. which means she's also been on the journey of ministry, mm-hmm. which means she knew plenty of truth in her head, but there were, there were things that were keeping her from that moving from what she knew to what she could experience. And we can't travel that road by ourselves. Mm. What she described there was the process of someone helping her go where she couldn't go alone. Mm. And, um, and that's what we do. And we do it because it's my story. And you know that that's where, that's why you're making fun of my ugly cries. I go, I, in my own story, had learned uh, to so put my head down, uh, to be smart enough, to work hard enough, and to try to do the right thing. Those are all the tools that I had. And uh, those tools can get you far, but they can't get you very far in relationships. And um, um, they can make you even successful in ministry, but they can't get you very far in relationships, including my relationship with God. Uh, so we become performers even in that relationship because we don't know how to be ourselves. And, uh, you know, by the grace of God for me, you know, I, you said I'm six, so I'm 60 and um, I'm, um, I've been a believer for 42 years. But really, my journey uh, that, I, that we not take people on started 16 years ago. For me, when I began to hit some of the same walls that that quote described mm-hmm. in my own life. And earlier you said, I've been faithful. And I just wanted to correct you that it's God who's been faithful to me in my unfaithfulness. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's what I'm grateful for. And I think the thing that I would I offer even the younger guys uh, that I'm with and get to be around is that I tell them I'm older than them, which means I've been able to fail more than they've failed. And I'm willing to talk about it. Um, my son said to me this weekend, it was one of a great compliment. He just pulled me aside. He's 29. He said, daddy, he said, he said, thank you. This is all he said. He said, thank you for having limbs that are low enough that I could reach and grab a hold of. Hmm. Man, I knew what he meant. And uh, I didn't always have low limbs. Hmm. Um, I was almost this bigger than life figure that was in a pulpit or on a stage or this Christian leader or this dad even that was bigger than life. But because I was so unable to access my own feelings about my life, uh, my kids had no way to touch me and grab me and hold me. And there were no low limbs. And, um, and if I couldn't be comfortable with what I had going on inside of me, no one around me could bring their feelings to me. Does that make sense? Like, like if, 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 if you have feelings in front of somebody or with someone, they're going to have feelings. Mm. So it was until I began to be able to sit in my own loneliness and hurt and sadness and fear and know that that wasn't the picture of ungodliness. It was actually a picture of vulnerability and surrender uh, to a God who could meet needs and all that vulnerability then I could have a child who could bring all those same feelings to me and their own vulnerabilities. Now all of a sudden they could touch me and I could touch them and uh, we could actually be in a relationship. And so I tell guys all the time uh, uh, when they come to me or come to work with our work with Tim and I say, I'll use a sports analogy. I say, it's almost like a, a, a soccer player. Uh, you know, you can't be great in soccer unless you can use both feet. Um, but a lot of us get really strong with one leg and, um, because we have a dominant leg mm. and I've referred to it just a minute ago, but the dominant leg is I'm going to work harder 
I'm going to try to figure it out and I'm going to try to do the right thing. And even I'll slap God on top of that. Um, yep. and, and in a, in a world cup championship game, if you're kicking a penalty kick, you're going to kick with your strong leg, which means under pressure, you're going to always go to, I'm going to work harder, bear down, try to figure it out and pray to God to help me do the right thing. I said, but you still have a left leg and you were born with it, but it's just after it's kind of dangling there like a noodle and somewhere in your life, you learned not to use it mm. to survive. And the reason that we see people change the way we do is because we're not teaching them any techniques. We're just teaching them how to do what they're born being able to do. Mm. And that's how to connect and attach in a relationship. And it's not just my relationship with my wife or my kids or my friends, but ultimately then it's my relationship with God who loves me. But if I don't know how to be in a relationship where I'm not performing, I can't even touch that love. And it's not that God doesn't love me enough because he does. It's that I don't know how to receive it. And I keep him at a distance through trying to make sure I'm enough for him. And that also keeps me in control. <laughs> um, which there's the upside. Yeah, I get to stay in control. The downside is downside is I don't get to have the kind of intimate relationship that I want with him yeah, or the kind of intimate relationship I want with my wife or my kids or a few friends. Yeah. And um, that's what I know. That's what true face is about. It's what Tin Man is about. Um, uh, we just what I've just been convinced of is there's got to be an army of men and women that'll sit with people into this kind of discipleship, I'll call it even and help people walk back into their life yep. so that what they know about God actually becomes an experience they can have with God that'll actually change them. And you say this, we say this all the time with true face, the truth that transform is a truth that can be trusted and the place that that's going to be trusted. It's going to have to happen in relationships yep. and not with thousands of people, but with a few people. Yep. And so we help people practice that. And, and, you know, I get, kind of choked up on it just because that's been my journey. That's my story. I'm still in it. Uh, in some ways I'm 60 in some ways I've been a Christ follower for 42 years. And in some ways I've really, I'm about 14 or 15 or 16 years old spiritually, because that's when I kind of hit enough of a wall to start to have to go, wait a minute, something here isn't working. Uh, this thing, this faith that I have, and even my experience with God, it, how come it feels like eating shredded wheat with no milk? I'm doing all these things. I'm serving, I'm working, I'm in ministry. I've sacrificed. I've walked away from stuff. I've educated myself. I've gone to seminary and all these things. And, and I go, how come sometimes it just feels like it's so much work. And that's because it was work because I was using my right leg on everything, including my relationship with God. And mm. it's not that I don't work hard. It's not that I don't know how to figure things out. And it's not that uh, I don't want to do the right thing, but, um, but I'm gaining a greater access to that part of me that actually lets me connect in a relationship, which is going back to my son's comment when he said, daddy, thanks for having limbs low enough that I could reach. What he was saying was I have access to you. And, um, and there was a time in his life with me that the limbs were too high on the tree. Yeah. I thank God that I thank God for even the crisis in my life or the failures that kind of brought me to a place of just going, gosh, I need help. And, um, and I sort of live in that place and that's how you've gotten to know me, um, in, in our relationship, because I'm pretty open with it. What was, was it the crisis and the failures that led you to realize you can't rely solely on your right leg and that there was more, uh, 
yeah how, how, how did you how, how did you transition into that that truth without without this yeah without this whole thing being about all that which i don't mind doing but i think that's maybe a different podcast but i think i can tell you i was honest enough with myself to be able to look and go man i know all this stuff but how come it's not working yeah so i so- know all this stuff but how come it doesn't feel different and 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 yet i also you know i came to know christ on an ivy league campus in the in the early 80s so there was no questioning in my mind about the truth of the gospel. I mean, I could tell you incredible stories about being in a very hostile place to spiritual life. Like when I came into Christ in the early eighties on an Ivy League campus, it was at Yale university. It, it wasn't, it wasn't friendly to me, mm. uh, which means I had, I had to kind of go deep to go, um, okay, I, this can't just be something I just experienced. It better be true whether I experienced it or not. There's, I just, I really had to know that what I believed was true, regardless of whether or not I was bowing my knee to it, because I was paying such a price for having expressed that kind of faith commitment. So I never doubted the resurrection. I didn't doubt who Jesus was. I didn't doubt who God was. What I struggled with was my experience of all that. Right. And and I couldn't cram enough knowledge in my head to change that. And you know, typically what we do, um, and this is true in the, in the American church, which by the way, I've been a pastor. I love the church, serve the church, created Tim Mann and helps to serve Christian leaders. But we tend to line people up in rows and educate them because we think that if we can change the way someone thinks, we can change the way they live. Problem is that that's just educating the right leg. Um, and, and it's not true. It's not the truth itself that transforms. I would even say this. The truth goes beyond a cognition of a truth. The truth is Jesus himself and his love for us is what transforms us. Mm. E- even when we take, we take Romans 12, one and two out of context, when it's talking about the renewing of our mind, okay? The renewing of our mind, we think, oh, I need to renew what I think. Well, to the Hebrew, the mind wasn't just what they thought. It was the whole life. It was the renewing of my relationship, the renewing of my experience, the renewing about how I live. It was all of life. The Hebrews were way more integrated. They weren't Greek in terms of how they split everything up. And, my, you know, the, the, the Greeks were saying, I'm going to renew who I am in relationship to you and in relationship with the God, which is what it means to renew your mind. The mind wasn't just the rational cognitive part of the mind, which we know our mind is fuller than that. In fact, yeah. that's the, the cognitive side of the brain is the last part to develop. And incredibly, uh, without getting into the neurobiology of this, but the, cogn- the cognitive part or the, the rational part of the human brain in a man isn't fully developed to his mid to late 20s in a woman, her mid 20s. But it doesn't mean that we're not online relationally. In fact, we, we're online relationally in the womb. Yep. We're attaching and connecting in the womb to a mother. And then all that gets reinforced when we are brought into the world. But anyway, that, that has to translate spiritually. And uh, for me, it, the, the 15 or 16 years ago was when I came to the crisis of going, all that I've learned isn't helping me right now yep. because yep. my experience in my chest isn't lining up with what my mind says and what the scripture is telling me I could have. So something has to be, something has to change or there has to be something different. And if I don't find what that is, I don't know what I'm going to do. And without us going down the path of where that took me, it was a place of great desperation, almost like. I'm, I'm, I don't want to be here anymore um, because I don't know how to make the pain of my life stop. And 
all that I know about God and all that I know my relationship with him isn't taking away the numbness that I feel about my life, which goes all the way back to my story, my family and all that kind of stuff that some guys helped me unpack and, and that I'm still doing. So some of us might be listening to this, feeling that unsettledness that mm-hmm. um, we have crammed enough into our brain. We know enough and we know we know that knowing more isn't going to change anything that we're longing for. And we feel unsettled and we want more. The problem is, what what do we what what would you tell a thirty five year old who's been awesome Christian doing it for fifteen years, who is going uh, I don't even want to be still quiet enough and meditate on what he just said long enough to affirm this deep unsettledness that I know I can't know more to find what I'm longing for and I'm not experiencing what I'm longing for. What do you do? That's a that's a helpless, hopeless thing. What what encouragement would you tell that thirty five year old? You, you didn't mean this as a setup, but it is a setup. To I think some of the kind of materials you guys are creating is to allow people to be in small relationships or close relationships to kind of ask the kind of questions that allow us to be known to one another. You know, our greatest fear is if you really knew me, you would what? If you really knew me, you would what? You wouldn't love me. You wouldn't You'd love me. You'd leave me. Yep. And if you would, you would leave me. Uh, and by the way, it's not just if you really knew me as in, if you really knew the things that I did, that's to me, that's the shallow water. Okay. The deeper water is if you really knew how afraid I was, if you really knew how hurting I am, if you really know how lonely I am most of the time, if you really knew what I was grieving, which by the way, most of that I'm not aware of because I had to get numb to get through all that. Okay. But, but in those kind of relationships where I can start to tell that truth about me um, and then experience connection with you around that, uh, and that translates to, then I have a God who actually knows me that way that we, you know, Hebrews says we have a high priest in heaven that knows what it's like to be us. Well, what does he know what it's like? Well, we can see it in the garden of Gethsemane where we see the God man afraid. He's, he, he's asking his father, can we do it some other way after something that had been planned since before time and outside of time and prophesied in the book of Genesis, Right right after the fall. Now he's saying, is there another way to do this? And then he doesn't want to be alone. So he asked his disciples, his friends to be with him because we know it's one thing to be afraid. It's nothing to be alone. Mm. And then, and then he's hurt and he says to them, you couldn't even stay awake a little bit. I just needed you. Mm. You you see, you see all this and there's more, I won't unpack more for time, but go, he's fully God, but he's also fully man. And in those moments, willing to be, I say this, Jesus was more okay being human than we are, that he had all these feelings and he could bring them openly to his father and to his friends. And that's why people connected to him and attached to him because he was attachable. And I go, when we can be in those kind of relationships, talking about that kind of truth in us, that truth in us actually allows us experientially to apprehend the truth about this God that knows us, made us, and wants to attach with us. And that only happens in relationships, which that I go back to it's, it's relationships. But then I think what I love about true face is you guys are creating resources to help people to actually, to ask the questions, to learn how to do those relationships. Children don't have to learn how to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my, um, uh, my, my grandkids are living with me right now because my son-in-law is deployed and I got a seven-year-old, a four-year-old and a one-year-old in my house now with my one daughter. <laughs> For a year and i'm watching this four-year-old little boy yeah. you know and, and uh uh 
and I'm watching him grieve his dad. Mm. And he doesn't need to be distracted. Mm. He doesn't need a cookie. He, he doesn't need to be told that it's okay. That it's going to be, he needs someone to be with him. Yep. Which is why I laid in bed with him last night mm. and just held him. And he asked me to tell him a story. And I said, what kind of story you want me to tell? He's four. He said, this is great. What a setup. But I, you know, I was thinking it'd be something about some adventure. He said, he said, dad, he said, grandpa, he said, tell me about Jesus on the cross. Tell me that story. (laughs) So, so I'm laying there in bed with my four-year-old who's been sobbing over his dad. Right. And then this is the story he wants me to tell. So I start talking about what happened in Genesis. And he goes, no, grandpa. He goes, I want to hear about the cross. And I said, well, yeah, but I got the story of the cross starts in Genesis. Let me tell you what happened there. And then what God promised. And then I took him eventually to the cross. And then he wanted to hear about the two other guys that were next to Jesus. And, and then he, and then he finally said, okay, grandpa, I'm okay. And he goes, I'm I'm ready to go to sleep. And then he went to sleep. But really what he was, what, what he was wanting was someone to be with him. Yeah. That's all. And, and I I go, he, he knows how to ask for what he needs. And I just want to be with him and let him be sad. And then no, he doesn't have to be alone in his sadness that there's no replacement for his dad. I'm his grandpa, but I'm not his dad. And I will let him cry with me and I'll let him be sad. He, the first morning after his dad left, I walked downstairs to head off to work and he was sitting at the kitchen table all by himself. He was the only one who had gotten up and I walked down in the kitchen, I'm ready to leave for work and his head's hanging. I love there's a Kurt Thompson quote. Kurt Thompson says, We're, we come into this world looking for someone looking for us. Hmm. We come into this world looking for someone looking for us. And I see this little four-year-old sitting at the kitchen table and his head was hanging. And I walked up and I said, what's up, buddy? Tell me what's going on. And he looks up, he says, grandpa, I'm sad. And I said, well, tell me what you're sad about, Samuel. And he said, I don't want you to go to work. <laughs> Just like that. He said, I don't want you to go to work. And I said, well, come here. And he goes, and he, he wouldn't come near me. He just sat there on the, at the table and I sat next to him. And now this sounds cruel what I did, but it's really not. I said, Samuel, I said, first of all, I said, I want you to know, young man. I said, I'm sad too. And I wish I didn't have to go to work, but I'm about ready to leave to have to go to work. I said, but if I could have stayed home today, I said, what would we have done together? And he said, we would have played cars. He talked about the books I would have read to him. He had four or five things in his list. Now I was asking him those questions because I wanted him to be able to name what the grief was. Like this is what the loss was grandpa. And then at one point, as he was naming these things that we would have done together, he ended up on my lap. And if you can picture this little four with his legs around my waist and his head next to mine, next to his face, and I was rubbing his back at this point, And I said, you know, Samuel, I said, when, when we're sad, a hug just feels really good. Mm. I said, this is called comfort. And that's what we need when we're sad. Now, in that moment, a lot of things were going on. One, I needed the comfort. Like I was sad. I didn't want to leave him. And he was sad. But what he also learned was it's okay to be sad. That his grandpa's also sad. 
that the real need he has is to be comforted in his sadness. That happens in another relationship, which was, he was able to reach out to me. He learned that there was someone looking for him emotionally, that I wasn't going to try to distract him or medicate him or tell him it's not, it's not sad. And, and here's what we both know. When I left the door, he probably felt another layer of sadness and maybe even some loneliness. But within 30 minutes or maybe an hour, what was that kid probably doing? Hmm. Playing. Laughing and playing because he was doing his life. Yep. And he wasn't shoving that down. There wasn't something wrong with him. And I, and, and you know, that goes back to my own story. You know, my, my dad left when I was three, uh, married a woman that he'd been, he would have been unfaithful to my mom, married a woman that he had an affair with. So he left when I was three, two years later, he divorced her, um, came back, remarried my mom when I was five, nine months later, left my mom again to remarry the woman he'd been married to before. So for me, twice between the age of three and five, my dad divorced my mom. Mm. And I'm the age, I was the age of this little boy I'm talking to you about right now. Mm. And I was told in my house, we're better off without him, which told this little boy, you can't cry about your dad being gone. Mm because no one here can tolerate it. And you take that, you take that moment or those years in my life. And I won't go into more of the story except to go, I learned then that this feeling of sadness is what's wrong with me. The grownups in my life are telling me I'm not allowed to have this. I'm supposed to convince myself I'm better off without my dad, which I was not. He was not a perfect man, but I'm still wasn't better off without him. And that set me up to be in my mid forties, telling you the story I was telling you about hitting a wall to go, Life doesn't work if I can't wake up inside, if I can't have feelings and tell the truth about them. And then having a distorted view of godliness that meant that stuff doesn't get to me anymore, mm. which means it's ungodly to be sad. It's ungodly to be afraid. It's un because somehow it's proof that God's not meeting my needs when the truth is until I can tell the truth about those feelings and the needs associated with them, I don't even need God to comfort me. I don't even need God to heal me. I don't need God to be near me. Because I become self-sufficient, even in my quote unquote, spiritual maturity, which is oxymoronic. It doesn't make sense, but somehow that's, that's sort of what's the subtext or the subtle innuendo of the way that we teach about what it means to grow in Christ. And then I, I won't do this, but then we use the Bible out of context to try to proof text all that. Mm. And it's, it's just not there. What's there is that we're made human in need of God. And until we can tell the truth about us, we won't know the truth about him. And we won't be in relationships and connected to one another. So um, that, that's, that's, that's been my story. It's also, I think, part of the story of True Face. It's why I love you. It's why I love what True Face is doing. Um, uh, uh, I, Jeff, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, as you can see, my smile. I, I, I'm going to listen to this about three times because, all right, l l let me reflect back and process some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, my right leg is my right leg where we have a dominant. It's easy to go mm -hmm. to. It's it, we're where we're at using our right leg because it's natural and, and we thank get God. used to it. And thank God you got a right leg. Yeah. Yes. And, thank God you got a right leg. You need it. Yes. And, and there's a point though, that, um, that doesn't get me to what I'm longing for. And so an unsettledness and mm -hmm. following Jesus and knowing these truths, there's something disorienting because there's an unsettled longing for more and my right leg, which I rely on, wake up, go into, doesn't get me to this longing piece. And 
sometimes there's a woundedness, a brokenness. There's different ways the spirit leads us um, to it. But um, it, it was it was fa- when I asked you, I said, okay, thirty five year old or whoever who's stuck with the unsettledness, following Jesus, Christian who's stuck. I said, what what do we what do we do? Like, what would you tell them? What I heard you say to yeah. us is that um, the the key. There's some kind of secret sauce in the design to move from our head to our heart, which frees us from our right leg syndrome of our head reliance into our heart reliance. There's something um, that we have to experience interpersonally with someone else on a level of intimacy and depth that looks like love, which gives us a taste and a practice of what's also a correlated parallel line of what's possible with God. And so this love God, love others, I heard you go, the the secret sauce is a relationship with someone else to get a taste and practice of an intimacy and a practice of love, which, which speaks to the longings of my heart that my right leg can't get to, which is also possible with God. Yes. In fact, it's not just parallel. It's, 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 it's integrated that you can't, you can't have Jesus alone on a mountaintop. Now you can go have a mountaintop experience by yourself with God, but you also can't have him long-term without his body. Hmm. And Jesus is not just a metaphoric head. He's a real head of a real body, Hmm. which means that you are his body, which means that I get him through you and with you. And I get to experience him with you. And I don't get to experience him apart from you. Mm. I can't have a head that's detached from a body and you're the body and you're a real body, your real hands, real feet, real touch, real love, real relationship. And that's truthfully that the moment's going to be this. None of us want to be needy. You don't have to hit a crisis or hit a wall or fall apart. But surrender is not just an idea, okay? Mm-hmm. Surrender is an action. And the action is an action of surrender, which means, and here's the statement, I need help. Mm-hmm. Help me. I need help. Mm-hmm. Help me. Maybe one of the hardest things any of us can do. But it's the beginning it's an admission that I need help, yep. <laughs> which then invites somebody to actually walk into my life, to walk with me, to help me, which includes God coming in the door with them because they're not separated from him. Yep. They're not, se- by the way, and, and I'm not saying that everyone you do this with is going to be trustworthy, but you got to find someone that can, that can hold you, that has a container safe enough to hold your bigness and your littleness. Cause we all think we're either too much or not enough, but like, can someone, can, can someone hold me? Can, is my story too much for you? Is my neediness too much for you? Can I bring that to you? And you may have to strike out a few times, but you're, you're going to, the moment is I ask for help. Yep. Amen. I ask for help. And none of it, we have journals full of God help me, but we won't go to somebody and say, will you help me? And trusting, it, we overcomplicate everything. Trusting yep. means to let. How yep. can I let you love me? How can I let God love me to meet these lungs of my heart if I don't have a posture of I need help or I need you? 
And if I don't have a need, I can't be loved. Yeah. Because love meets needs. So then I become like, like, like I'm trying to love somebody. It's like scaling a, a rock wall with no handholds or no ropes or you give me nothing to hold on to. Yeah. And when I can start to tell you that I have need and I can, I know how to even access what that need is and bring it to you. Now you have a way to love me because I'm letting myself be loved by you. And I, I just think, by the way, I'll just say that's a, that's a lifelong journey. Uh, a mentor once said to me, he said, it takes a lifetime to learn how to live. Yeah. Um, uh, but I need to be in some relationships where I can start to learn how to do that. And that's where life change happens. And it happens over a lifetime in small places and in intimate relationships. By the way, I don't need a thousand of those relationships. I just yep. need a couple. Yep. And um, God, God, let it be so that you bring those people to our lives and give us the courage to step over our, our pain, our wounds, the broken relationships that have taught us that we can't. God, we need your help with courage to lean into those and you will bring them because you have designed us for that and you long for us to have that with each other so that we can practice with you and that co-intertwined dynamic of love, which is why you've developed us. Jeff, I love our time and our conversations just like we got to hang out at Chick-fil-A over breakfast a few weeks ago. And this is the type uh, conversation that I just am so thankful for. And I'm so thankful for sharing that uh, on a podcast and recording it so my friends can listen in to to encourage um, us in doing this. This really is why we exist as a ministry and why we built uh, the relational journey is 10 conversations to help you take a step deeper in your relationship with God and one other person because this is difficult. It's not easy. And so we are creating tools to try to make that easier. So go check it out. Invite somebody in your life. God, who is it in your life that you could take a step deeper in relationship with them and God in this in this dance of loving God and loving others, um, which takes courage. And we hope this tool helps you do that. If you type in RJ half off, it makes it $10 a person just so you have enough commitment skin in the game um, to value it um, more than uh, being flippant about it. Because if you do these 10 conversations... Um, I will personally give you your money back if it's not a value add um, to deepening your relationship with God and them, which which Jeff is saying is the key, the catalyst, that blockage between our head and our heart of trusting these truths. And there is richness and depth and peace of of that is waiting for us. Um, in 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 when He answers and meets the needs of our unsettled hearts, it is His gift that also allows us to have unsettledness to to long for and yearn for what he is waiting to give us and to meet in our lives, which is love. Jeff, I'd love for you to leave us with any, any thoughts and then pray us, pray for us and bless us if you would on our way out. Um, I would, I would say to anyone who in any way felt uh, something move inside them. Like, I don't know what this is, but I'm drawn what they're talking about. I would invite you uh, just to find the place in the New Testament that we call the Beatitudes mm. and just read them a few times and contemplate just even if it's just in your head, just to try to touch what does it mean that blessed are those who mourn mm. and they'll be comforted or blessed are those who hunger and thirst for they'll be satisfied or filled. That is just to go there to go, what it. What, what are we, what are we being invited into? 
And then what's the doorway look like to what we're being invited into? And uh, that's where, I, that's just, I, I think I would just, I would just finish listening to this and either pull it up on your phone or open your Bible or listen to it, but don't just listen to it once or read it once, but read it over and over again and just go, what is, what is, what am I being invited into here by the God that made me? Because he knows me. And maybe in some ways he's already starting to answer some prayers I've prayed, but it's going to require something of me, which really isn't more work. It's not more figuring something out. It's not being smarter. It's not being more moral. It's probably going to be in the territory of surrender. And I'm going to have to ask for some help because I am hurting. I am mourning. I am grieving. I am thirsty. I am hungry. And I need someone to walk with me. And um, that's what I'd invite them to. So Lord, I, I thank you for the work of true face for Robbie for the team there, for the materials they're creating, uh, for every uh, man or woman on the other side of this podcast, uh, that you are very graciously and mercifully, your spirit, Lord, is uh, answering prayers uh, that they have written in journals or quietly uttered or almost been afraid to hope that you would answer. Uh, they grew up hearing things like, don't get your hopes up. Um, when truthfully, Lord, I think you want them to hope, which means it's going to have to take a risk that you can actually meet them in ways that they've longed for, um, maybe their whole life. And I pray that you would, um, uh, slowly and mercifully draw these men and women into what it looks like to trust you more deeply, to know you in ways they have not, uh, and to experience something with you that you were made them to have in Jesus name. I pray this. Amen. Amen. Thanks, y'all. Get some more of, of Jeff at Tin Man. What's the website, Jeff? Tinman.life. Tinman.life. Check it out. Thanks, y'all.